the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Ron Geyer Roofing. The Bible describes events that will mark the last days, or end times. 2 Timothy 3.1 says, This know also, that in the last days perilous times shall come. Matthew 24.44 tells us, Therefore you must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not expect Him. Bible teacher Ron Geyer leads us through Scripture that will help us to remain strong in the Lord. End Time Insights with Bible teacher Ron Geyer starts now. Good evening, family. Ron Geyer with End Time Insights. Thank you so much for listening. We trust God that we are investing His Word in you accurately, and we're excited to do that. We are anointed. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to give recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And I want to be like Paul. I want to preach the whole counsel of God. Amen. Last week, we were introducing the topic, A Church in Peril, and I hope you're aware of the dangers that we're facing as a church in America today. I don't know what's happening throughout the rest of the world, but I know quite well what's happening in our nation. And the problems that we're facing, yes, the current government is anti-God, anti-Bible, anti-Christ, and yet that's not the danger that has the greatest ability to take people away from the faith. That's not the greatest danger that we face as Christians. The greatest danger we face is from false, deceptive, evil men in the church. We broached that topic last week. A quick review, 2 Timothy 3.1. This know also, Timothy, that in the last days, perilous time will come. Last days, last days is from the time of the Uh, birth of the church at Pentecost to the end of the church age, which will result in the rapture of the church, God removing, Jesus removing his church before the great tribulation. But this phrase here is not that last days. This is the last days. It's eschatos himeta. It literally means the very last step, the last step that man takes before he goes into another age or sphere, as it were, and that would be the thousand-year reign of Christ on the earth called the millennial reign of Christ. But this is the last of the last. Man's been walking in the earth for 6,000 years. He's been walking as a church for 2,000 years. We are in the last of the last of the church age. The next time man's foot is poised, his last step is poised to touch the ground, And the next time that foot touches the ground, that is the implication. Last days, we are out of time, people of God. We need to go back to preaching about the second coming, the return of Christ, because he's coming here very, very, very soon. Sooner than you think. The Bible says he's coming when you think not. If you think he's not coming, then guess what? He's coming. So we live in days of special peril. That's what Paul's trying to tell us. Galatians 1.4 who gave himself for our sins, Jesus, that he might deliver us from this present evil world. We live in an evil world. It's a perilous time, not because it's a dangerous time, not because of asteroids or global warming, but because men are evil. 
John 3.19. And this is the condemnation. This is all a review from last week, John 3.19. And this is the condemnation, that light has come into the world, and men loved darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. That's why it's such a dangerous time. It's an evil world because men love darkness. Jesus came. He was the light. And he says, you've no longer a cloak for your sin. That's the light that lightens their darkness. But no, they loved their darkness. They would rather stay in darkness. They do not want their deeds, their evil deeds to be revealed. So one of the reasons the church is in constant peril is because the world is evil. Men love darkness and men hate the light. Second uh, Timothy one thirteen, but evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. This is actually aimed at people in the church. Remember Second uh, Timothy chapter three verse one. There was uh, one through five. There was eighteen or nineteen descriptions of last days mankind behavior. It talked about they would be lovers of themselves. They would be disobedient to parents. They would be greedy. They would be covetous. They would be all sorts of licentious behavior. And that is the 1918 characteristics that Paul described to Timothy. Well, this evil men and seducers, those people I just talked about, they're going to get worse. They're going to get worse and they're going to get worse. And what are they going to be doing? They're going to be deceiving us in the body of Christ. They're going to be deceiving us in the church. And that's what Paul is warning Timothy about. Those evil men that love the darkness rather than the light, they are in the church and they are only going to get worse and worse. Remember, we spoke about the verb poneros. The verb, I think, is poneria. The noun is poneros, and it talks about evil. There's two words in the Bible for evil. One is krakos, K-R-A-K-O-S, and the other one is poneros, P-O-N-E-R-O-S. Krakos just means inherit evil. Evil, Satan, the god of this world, is evil. Well, the word used that Paul describes for evil men and seducers and imposters getting worse and worse, stronger and stronger, more evil and more evil in our churches That word is perneris, and it's important because it is evil that wishes to spread evil. They seek to corrupt others and draw them into the same destruction that they're living on. We spoke about that last week. The evil men in the church who are getting worse and worse, they are on demonic assignment. They are agents of Satan. They are bent on your destruction. They're not passive. They're just not sitting around in their pew letting evil emanate out from them. They are actively working for the devil to take you away from your faith, to remove you from your place of salvation, to destroy you. Their goal is to win you to evil. It's the job of the church to recognize such men and keep them out of their pulpits. That's why Paul gave us the description. They would be covetous. Do you have covetous men in your pulpit? Get them out. That's what Paul's telling you. Do you have evil men that love themselves, that love their power, that have full of pride in your pulpit, Paul says, get them out. They're only going to get worse. It is up to you, saint of God, to identify these people. And if they won't leave, you leave. You know, we were talking about this the other day that God, no, he never said he was going to remove the evil that was in the church. He never said he was going to take the tares out. That's fine. You don't have to do that, Lord. If they won't leave, if we can't pray them out, if we can't move them out, then I'll leave. I don't need to stay in a church that's feeding me poison week in and week out. I don't need to be sitting under a ministry that doesn't know the truth, that is bent more on pleasing man, that fear man more than they fear God, that's not concerned with pleasing man, that are covetous, that are desiring my money. 
They don't really love me. They, as a matter of fact, the people, these ministries out there that are false, the ones that are telling you that you don't have to repent, that you're not a sinner, that you're supposed to be supporting the church with your money, that are living lascivious, lavish lifestyles. I don't need them to leave. I'll leave. I'm not going to sit under your poison. You know, John Osteen, you know, I was born at night, but I wasn't born last night. Amen. You can't pull the wool over your eyes. Hallelujah. Just keep them open. Hallelujah. It's important to note that there is here a very clear recognition of what the Bible teaches all the way through. There's a constant theme in the Bible, if you're reading your Bible, and it's that behind the false prophet or the false teacher or the false doctrine, there's an evil spirit. These men aren't evil of themselves when they tell you something like, uh, you're not a sinner, or that uh, you need to give me all your money, or that you... Sin won't harm you. We're not going to talk about sin here. These people, it's not that they're evil, although they very well may be. They did not dream up that doctrine overnight. But the Bible teaches throughout that they have been motivated. They have been inspired by an evil spirit. Just like the children of God are led by the Spirit of God, well, the children of Satan are led by the Spirit of Satan. It's important that you understand that. So let's pick up where we left off, which was right over there. We did Bible study this Saturday, and we did the entire uh, lesson on evil and evil in the church and peril in the church from this evil. And it really doesn't matter what topic I choose to study or eventually teach on. When I'm done, there will most likely be a deficiency in the church revealed to me, and the Holy Spirit will prompt me with a nudge, something like, and you wonder why there's no power in the church, Ron? Well, Not too much surprises me anymore. I've seen it. My eyes are open. I love to study the Bible. I'm no better than anybody else, worse than a whole bunch. And yet I do love to read my Bible. And I do have a teaching gift in measure. And my eyes are open. My heart is right. Uh, I believe I have removed sin through the work and the help of the Holy Spirit from my life. Where I'm in a position where my relationship with God is open. He can talk and I can listen. I'm clear. I'm not thinking things I shouldn't be thinking. What I'm saying is my airway, my pathway between me and God, the lines of communication are open between me and God. Matter of fact, going back to Pastor John Osteen again today, uh, Daddy Osteen, he was talking about people would come up to him with a word. Hey, I've got a word from your pastor. And he would always say, sit down, you know, because he goes, I am open. My lines of communication are open with God. If he wants to tell me something, he has permission. I've got nothing in the way. And it's the same way here. You are supposed to have a relationship with God that is so open that all he has to do is breathe. You know, the Bible says all scripture is God breathed. All he has to do, you open the Bible and he breathes that word upon you and you get instruction for your life on a daily basis. Amen. So these people that are in the church that are waxing worse and worse, they're just not evil plants in the church designed to corrupt you by their mere presence. It means inherently of evil character, yes, but it also means these people are actively witnessing for the kingdom of Satan under the guise of righteousness. That is so important. Let me repeat this. These people, the Poneris type of evil, the people that are in your church, the people that are lying and deceiving, creating false doctrine, dividing you, looking out to take you into their fold, wanting your money. These people are active evil. They are witnessing for Satan under the guise of righteousness. It's a master plan. David Wilkerson talked about the people that were taking your money from you. They were covetous. The Bible talks about in Peter that people are making merchandise of you. They see you as an easy mark. All those greedy people out there. This is Amway in the church. Hallelujah. They're after your money. It's a 
Ponzi scheme. Do not fall for it. Unless the church returns to its foundational base, the Bible, the book of God, we will be easy prey for these people that stand in pulpits as angel of light, doing Satan's business. 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen, And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Here, Paul is warning the Corinthian church, the very troubled Corinthian church, about the deceptiveness of false apostles. Verse 13, For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. They had this trouble at Ephesus when the church was getting started. They've got this trouble at Corinth once again. Let me talk to you about Paul's ministry because it's important you understand Paul. Paul is such a great model. Just like Jesus warned, it was probably Timothy that that was the uh, pastor of the church at Ephesus at the time of the seven letters uh, written to the churches, A.D. 94, 95, perhaps. And in the letter, Jesus said, Beware of those that call themselves apostles. You are trying those. You are proving them, which he congratulated them for. Well, in Paul's day, uh, probably 30 years, 40 years prior, he was under assault. Remember, Paul was not one of the original 12, right? God appointed him. The, I think it was uh, somebody had to replace Judas Iscariot. I think it was Matthias, if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong there. I'll have to check that. But basically, Paul was an apostle, but he was outside of the group. He was outside. The guys that Jesus chose, they were Jews, and they were uh, Judaizers, the people who rejected the gospel. They called them Judaizers because they were trying to tell the church, that's great that you're saved in Christ, but you still got to follow the law. You still got to be circumcised. You still can't eat with the Gentiles. And so Paul, who rebuked these people for telling, bringing these false doctrines into the church, what happened was then these Judaizers, they were challenging the fidelity. They were challenging the calling that was on Paul. And so he was constantly defending himself. And Paul's ministry, authenticity, was being attacked by false apostles and deceitful workers. They were attacking him and claiming to be what Paul actually was. Paul was an apostle picked by God. These people say, no, no, we are the true people. Well, he was doing something that we should be doing in our churches today, Paul was. He was calling these people out. He was naming them. He was ascribing demonic influence to the church here that was ruling these false people in their midst. They were letting them come in and giving them the pulpit. And Paul was saying, no. This is an actual verbal assault on his character and his calling. They were challenging his doctrines and his teachings. Well, here's a question. Paul called them out. Why don't our leaders call out the false people in our churches today? Why don't we name them? Why don't we call them by name? You know, they're going public with their deceit. Well, we need to go public with their rebuke then. Amen? The idea is to protect the saints. You know, if you are not calling these false people out, man of God in the pulpit, then all that does is prove that you really don't love the people of God. Because if there's a pothole in the street, and I know my wife is going down that path on the work in the dark tonight, I'm going to warn her, Diane, there's a pothole. It's right over here. Do not take that road. Get off of that highway before you get to that road. I'm going to warn them. I'm going to be specific. And it's the same way with the church. It's what Paul did in the church. Why don't our leaders do that today? We are losing millions of saints to deception. Why don't our respected leaders protect the churches like Paul did? What part of that aspect of Paul's protection for God's church don't we understand today? Paul called out sinful behavior that was also at Corinth in the church because he wanted the church to be holy for God. God wanted it holy, so he himself called out Ananias and Sapphira. As a matter of fact, he took their lives. Peter warned us against the false teaching of covetous men in the pulpit who were trying to make merchandise of us. John warned the church against false teachers by naming those 
who taught Gnosticism. The false teaching by the Jews was constantly being rebuked publicly by Jesus and Paul and Peter. They all had a care for the soon-to-be, newly-birthed Church of the Living God, the pillar and the ground of truth. Modern-day pastors, they've got no such care. They don't demonstrate any love for the church. Joel Osteen, he has a false message that is leading millions to hell. Why isn't anybody, why aren't our leaders and mass calling out the falseness of his ministry and warning people, do we not care, do we not love them? We need to have public warnings against teaching of that sort. Rick Warren is trying to befriend the Muslim community into Christianity. Admirable, but he's trying to do it without using the gospel. Sorry, that's not going to wash. We need to warn Christians against this. Is anybody of prominence protecting the saints from the demon-inspired teachings that T.D. Jakes, he has a message and a lifestyle that's inconsistent with Christianity? What, you want to have separate churches for the uh, homosexual community? They don't serve the God that we serve. They don't know the God that we know. We need to challenge these people who are promoting false doctrine and protect our people, our saints, the true body of Christ, from being led astray. Yet, Jake's culture, it guards him like he's some type of God. There are hundreds, probably tens of thousands of false preachers out there that say anything they wish to build a following, and they are never held accountable. Other big-name preachers need to be revealed for who and what they are while pointing out their evil messages. Why is this important? Well, Second Peter 2, one. But there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who, coming in the back door privily, shall bring damnable heresies. What is the damnable heresies? Other translations say they're destructive heresies, but there's so much more than that. The King James says damnable. Why? Because they can damn your soul to destruction. Even denying the Lord that brought them or the Lordship of Christ in their lives and bring themselves swift destruction. Because false teaching and false doctrines will steal your soul. That's why we should be warning our brothers and sisters. A preacher that tells you or refuses to acknowledge that you're a sinner That's dangerous. Or refuses to acknowledge that the gospel that John preached, the gospel that Jesus preached, the gospel that Paul preached was a gospel of repentance where we were acknowledged as sinners. Well, that is the first step. It brings in the power and the convicting power, the convicting presence of the Spirit of God when we tell man that he's a sinner. If you reject Christ, there's a penalty to be paid. It will be the loss of heaven, the loss of a life lived with the church and with their God, Jesus Christ. It's so important that we correct what's erroneous out there. That's the danger. That's the peril that Paul is telling us about. So many have been taken already. They've been lost. They've thrown down their faith. They've been removed. They've walked away. They've been deceived. And when you are deceived, you will go where the deceivers wind up, which is in hell. It's why we do what we do. I don't care how tired you get of hearing about what I'm telling you. We will warn you until God says to stop. Let's get serious here, right? Was the Apostle Paul holy? Yes. Did the Apostle Paul love the people of God? Yes. You bet he did, and you bet he was. He wore holiness quite well, thank you. He found out, he called out, and eventually he kicked out people that were sitting in the church and were not repenting. That's holiness in action. Look at Galatians 2, verses 11 through 19. I'm not going to read all of them, but I'm going to tell you the story after I give you verse 11. But when Peter was come to Antioch, I withstood him to the face, says Paul, because he was to be blamed. He was to be blamed, guys, because he was sitting and having lunch and meals with the Gentiles, which was against Jewish law, against Jewish custom, 
that he was supposedly a Jew at heart and he should not have been crossing over in fellowship with the Gentiles because it was running a danger of keeping or preventing the Jewish messianic line from being pure. That was the danger there. And so the Jews called Paul out on that when he came to Antioch and they made him change. He just wouldn't have meals with them anymore. And that was dangerous. Paul came in and he said, what are you doing, Peter? This is wrong. You are wrong. That is doctrinal error. And because the Jews were trying to say salvation in Christ alone will not save you. You must fulfill aspects of the law. So Peter, being intimidated by man like he had been in the past, he gave in. He quit eating and fellowshipping with the Gentiles, which was very dangerous to the church. Paul came in. He put a stop to that immediately. Basically, he used his apostolic authority, which trumped Peter's authority at that point. And he said, no, we will not do this. This is not the habit of the church. This is not the doctrine of Christ. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. That uh, line that separated Jew from Gentile, that's what he was fighting about. The Jews and the Gentile, the Gentile were always being subject to the wrath and the prejudice and the biases of the Jews. They looked down upon the Gentiles. And so Paul says, no, no, that's past. We don't do that anymore. And so he challenged Peter face to face. We've got thousands of teachers in the Bible, in the body today, teaching false things, similar things, teaching homosexuality is an acceptable lifestyle. Only 9% of Christians in America today believe that the Bible paints a biblical worldview. They believe in that biblical worldview. One in 10 Christians believe in that. That's amazing. And we don't challenge doctrines like this. Many now are coming up with a doctrine that Christ did not live a sinful life. These doctrines need to be challenged. We need to call these preachers out by name, and we need to warn the saints to get out from under their ministry. We need to quit supporting them. We need to quit sending them our money. It's a shame, but embedded in the account here about Peter and about Paul, where Paul withstood Peter to his face. And by the way, Paul just didn't write a letter or give Peter a buzz on the phone. He called him out. He went to the council. He went to the meeting and he said, Peter, you are in error. This is wrong. He rebuked him publicly. That's what I'm saying. If you've got a public ministry and you're preaching public falsehoods, you need to be challenged publicly. And one of the big things, I guess I'm going to come back to this part. My goodness, I'll come back to it next week. But I did want to talk about the fact that the church is having a problem concerning our families. You know, America, we're in trouble. And we're in trouble because the family unit is under assault, right? One of the founding fathers, one of the probably top three or four or five founding fathers, uh, Benjamin Rush, he's considered the father of public education in America. And he had a hand in establishing, what's the word, medical colleges. And so he had this prophecy from over 260 years ago. He said, if we ever lose control of our government in America, the government will become the greatest enemy of the American people, the American family. He hit the nail on the head, right? Our government is a tremendous enemy of the American family, promoting abortion, right? Promoting same-sex marriage, allowing all these, what is it? I don't know how many different genders they got now. It grows every different day. But allowing for insurance companies to cover these ungodly unions to pay for sex change operations now. It's amazing. This is all being pushed by our socialist communist government. And remember, socialism is the same as communism. The only difference is communism uses force to get its way. Socialism uses laws. It's totally different dynamic, but that's what we're facing today. That's why the the election is so important. I'm going to talk next week about why the church has become complicit 
in this breakdown of the family. Uh, we're doing so many things wrong concerning our families and the churches. And I wanted to address that because the church should be helping to create strong families. The church should be knitting families together instead of promoting separating them. And we've got a lot of corrections to do within the church. The warnings inside the church, the danger to the church from the people in the church, they are myriad. They are strong. They are subtle. They're not open. You need someone like me to talk to you so that you can understand how this is a danger. Well, I thought this was okay, Ron. Well, it's not okay. The Bible says we're supposed to be building strong families, not separating families through our doctrines. We're going to come and talk about that next week, but I want to thank you for listening. I want you to know that the Lord Jesus is returning quite soon. Yes, he does love you, but that's not the gospel. Man is a sinner. Jesus said you must be born again. You do that by repenting of your sin, receiving the gift of his son, Jesus Christ, who paid the penalty for your sin. Receive his Holy Spirit to live inside you, to lead you and to guide you, to lead you into all truth. And get to know the God of the Bible by reading the Bible. I pray God puts a supernatural hunger for the word of God in you. We love you. We bless the Lord. We'll see you next week. Thank you for joining us for End Time Insights with Ron Geyer. Listen again next Sunday night at 8 on 100.7 The Word, where faith comes by hearing. You can also listen to the podcast of this program by going to kkht.com. If you would like to contact Ron, email him at gospelguy at comcast.net. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.